Cougars are back. Play fake. Wilson on the seam. Caught by Bushman. 10-5. Touchdown, Cougars! We're two hours away from the kickoff BYU football. Play fake for Wilson. A deep drop. Goes for the back right pylon of the end zone. He's got a touchdown, and the Cougars open up on top. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over 25 years. Cougar Pregame Live is also proudly supported by Kingarf Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen in Orem. To get you ready for today's battle on the gridiron, let's join the host of Cougar Pregame Live, Jason Shepard. Good afternoon, BYU fans. Welcome into Cougar Pregame Live. Tonight, the BYU Cougars are in Knoxville, Tennessee to face the Tennessee Volunteers. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Riley Nelson, who joins me from Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. You'll hear Riley and Greg Rubel, along with Mitchell Juergens, on the call of the action today. Riley, it's my understanding, temperatures in the 80s, low humidity, sunshine, it's a perfect day for a football game. You bet it is, and with the stadium sitting right here on the banks of the Tennessee River, we're getting a nice breeze, and, uh, you know, heading up right before going on air, we were looking at those poor suckers in the Clemson a and game <laughs> playing in 96 degrees and 80% humidity. That's not the case here today, so it's a great night for football. Well, it's going to be a fun afternoon. It's the first ever meeting between these two teams, both teams coming off disappointing losses in week one certainly BYU fans know what we're talking about having lost to Utah in week one Georgia State went into Knoxville in week one and upset the Tennessee Volunteers Riley neither of these teams want to begin the 2019 season 0-2 no question and uh, you know that's the great thing about college football with 12 games so much rides on every single game so for as a fan you you love it because there's intrigue in every week but one of the things is as a player is that can mount on you if you let it because the reality is each game should be approached uh, in, in its own vacuum and you have to do your best to you know do your best to focus on going on one and oh if you happen to go over two well the reality is the possibility for going if you start off 0-2, is still there to go 11-2, which is a great season. But both of these programs, and more specifically for BYU, I think uh, they're looking for an opportunity to respond, to get the taste out of their mouth from disappointing losses last week. And to do that, they're going to need strong leadership from both uh, the coaches and the players. And then ultimately it's going to come down to who can execute uh, the game plan that they've prepared all week for. Well, and I agree with you 100%. Before we get into it, let's get to the three things you need to know. Number one, BYU trying to avoid starting 0-2 for the first time since 1995. What were you doing in 1995, Riley? 1995, seven years old, living in La Crescenta, California, (laughs) probably playing t-ball. There you go. Well, that was the last time BYU started 0-2, and that speaks very highly of the BYU football program that it's been that long since this team started 0-2. And by the way, in case you were wondering what those losses were or who they were to, losses at Air Force and then versus UCLA. And I agree with what you said. I mean, this really – both of these teams come in with – I don't know if anger is the right word, but hungry and determined to not be 0-2 after this game. There's no question about that. And, um, you know, the reality, it it sounds so boring, but the best coaches in the game, whether it's Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, uh, Bill Belichick at the pro level, they try and get so much of the focus 
go, getting on that game that week. But um, both teams have historic programs to where they've been able to avoid kind of that lackluster start. And so both teams are going to be hungry with the rich tradition on both sides. I, as I'm staring here at the field that has a 225-year logo that's how long the university of tennessee has been around uh they have that deep desire to uphold their individual traditions and so i think we're in store for a competitive game tonight that brings us to number two the tennessee volunteers as we mentioned a few moments ago were upset in week one by georgia state and to say that the heat is on and i mean that literally and figuratively would be an understatement here's how i look at this riley you would think that the balls are either going to come out on fire or self-destruct at the first sign that things are going to go south. That's why I think a strong start for BYU immediately puts the pressure on this Tennessee team because they start thinking, uh-oh, here we go again. I, I want BYU to come out strong. I want to see that type of performance in the first quarter to see what Tennessee does and if they start to implode. Yeah, I think you're 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 on to something there, Shep, in the fact that if – so things that I've heard from – Uber drivers, waiters, just people around town is they are there is immense pe- pessimism surrounding this uh, Tennessee football program. People are talking about they lost to a high school program, talking about Jeremy Pruitt. If they start off 0-2, the coach should be fired, even though he's only 14 games into his career. So uh, Tennessee needs and and wants this game Uh, but that being said if you look at the game last week Tennessee they scored touchdowns in the first half they dominated the the possession but they let Georgia State hung around and Georgia State stayed consistent they didn't panic and they were able to turn the tides with some big plays defensively and also executing or capitalizing on some short fields on the offensive end so while I agree with you and my hope is that BYU gets out of the gates really quickly if they don't they got to stick with it because Georgia State was able to turn the tide on against this Tennessee program in the second half, and I think the same opportunities available for the Cougars this week. Finally, number three. The BYU offense says the number one improvement needed this week is better execution, and I think you said that just a a minute ago, Riley, talking about how this team, the team that comes out and executes better or the best, has the best chance of winning. And the BYU offense coming off three turnovers resulted in 20 points the biggest question is, and, and we really won't know until the game starts, can the Cougars clean up those mistakes? Back in my time as a player, it was always important, um, and especially when I was an upperclassman and a leader and a captain on the team, you have to kind of establish a theme for the week. And uh, while I don't get the good fortune of, of still being in that locker room and, and part of the active players in the program, if I were, my theme would be we need to be assertive but not emotional. There was some emotional decisions being made that, uh, by players both on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, that led to poor execution, losing contain, uh, missing blocks, uh, per, you know, decisions in the in the passing game that shouldn't have have happened. So, that we need to be assertive but not emotional and always keep in the back of our minds that we can we should stay alive to play another day because as as frustrated as it was to give up the two pick sixes and 20 points off turnovers for BYU Tennessee did the same thing giving up 17 points off turnovers and so I'd wait for them to flinch first Tennessee will give the ball up if we can just hold our water keep our composure and then finally what we want to see from this young core within the B that makes up the, this BYU team and this BYU program at this moment is from week to week the goal should be market learning 
change and growth. And so the mistakes that we made last week are in the past, no longer with us. We're different players this week, and uh, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, tonight. While I realize this is called the three things you need to know, I have a bonus thing, uh, and that is Tennessee will begin selling alcohol at Neyland Stadium today. So I find that pretty ironic that that happens against BYU, but I also think if things go really bad, that could be a super poor uh, choice today. I was chatting with a lady at, at breakfast <laughs> this morning who uh, was, you would have thought I was a foreigner from another planet when she found out not only is, is there no alcohol allowed on campus, but that I call Coke. Apparently all sodas are Coke down here. But oh, yeah. The fact, the fact that I even said soda was baffling to her. And then only up until a few years ago, only caffeine-free. She didn't even know caffeine-free Coke existed. And that was a mainstay at, at Cougar Stadium for many years, for Lavelle Edwards Stadium for many years. But uh, anyway, she finished up saying, or a couple of Tennessee fans have made the comment to the effect that they haven't, uh, it doesn't come a, a game too late. In other words, that they're going to need that alcohol to help take the sting off what most fans of here for Tennessee are predicting it will be a loss tonight. Well, hey, it's just another layer to this game uh, to uh, to pay attention to. All right, coming up, you're going to hear from Kalani Satake, Trajan Peely, and Zach Wilson in Cougar Cuts. But next, we'll get to know the phone as we talk with Tennessee radio analyst Brent Hubbs. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. Jason Shepard here in our BYU radio studios in beautiful Provo, Utah. Joining me from Neyland Stadium, my co-host Riley Nelson. And, and Riley, I realize while this isn't necessarily a... BYU-Tennessee storyline, or quite frankly, a college football storyline. We have a lot of sports fans listening. We've got some pretty big breaking news in the world of sports. Uh, for those following what's happening in the NFL with Antonio Brown, released today by the Raiders, just signed with the New England Patriots. So one year deal. So there's some big news in the NFL. And of course, Antonio Brown goes to the New England Patriots. But enough of that. Let's move back to our game. It's time to get to know the foe. We're joined by Brent Hubbs, radio analyst for the Tennessee Volunteers. Brent, thanks for taking a few minutes with us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I hear the word desperate a lot in terms of the Tennessee Volunteers after last week. Just how desperate are the Vols this week? Well, I think I think really desperate. I, obviously, nobody saw last week coming, including anybody with Tennessee. And then you look at the remaining schedule, what's coming down the pike for Tennessee. Uh, Chattanooga next week, which is a game you should win. And then you got a gauntlet of SEC games uh, when you talk about Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama. And suddenly you could look up and be 1-6 if you don't win this ball game tonight. So I, I don't think there's any question that this is a – a desperation must win for Tennessee. I don't think it's a must win in terms of Jeremy Pruitt keeping his job. But for this season and the hopes of postseason play, this is a must win for Tennessee. Brent, uh, as, a, as a former player, I know after tough losses like that, you look to your leadership to assert themselves. And I know Jawan Jennings came out and said as much in, in the press conferences this week. And, of course, everybody looks to the quarterback for that leadership. Who are some of the people that you have heard have maybe stepped up and taken real ownership of this team to basically prevent what happened last week from happening again? Well, I think offensively it's Jawan Jennings. And I think it's him far and away from everybody else. Um, He's been a vocal guy since he's been here. He's an, an intense competitor. So that doesn't surprise me that he came out and 
kind of said what Tennessee fans wanted to hear somebody say, quite frankly, and it hadn't been said till that point. I think the defensive side of the ball is a different story, and I think that's where a question mark is tonight with your Tennessee. Daniel Petuli, not sure he's going to be able to play at all with that ankle. If he does, he'll be limited. So where's the leader on that side of the ball? Who is the guy that steps forward, not just from the rah-rah standpoint, but who's the guy who takes charge of this defense and gets them lined up, particularly when BYU comes out and shifts and motions and formations and all the different looks like that way? This is a defense had a hard time lining up last week. So who leads in the middle of the game today to make sure this defense gets lined up the right way? You're asking if you're going to ask Henry Toa Toa to do it. That, that's an awful tall challenge for a freshman who's been here since June. But he may be the guy that has to do it in the middle of the field for Tennessee tonight. You know, Brent, that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you. There were a lot of player substitutions in that first game for the Vols, specifically on that line. What, what Was that just the first game and issues with with players and, and maybe not being in the right spot or not performing to the level? Or was that the coaches still trying to find the right guys? Was it just, just one game so where there's not a huge concern? Or, or is it more of a concern than maybe coaches want to let on? Well, I think anybody that's followed this team all summer long, really all, all spring long, knows the biggest question mark for this team is in the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Uh, the uncertainty you had offensively with Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy's coming back from a torn ACL, and then you look on the defensive side of the ball, nobody's played. I mean, Emmett Gooden was their, their best defensive lineman. He tore an ACL the day before they put on pads in preseason camp. You had a lot of guys play last week for the first time uh, on the defensive line, and it showed. Uh, but it also showed with some youth at linebacker not helping those guys get lined up as well. So uh, coaches say you make your biggest improvement from week one to week two. We'll see. It's going to start with Tennessee being able to line up. Jeremy Pruitt said back in, um, I don't know, 10 days into camp, two weeks into camp, he, he compared his defensive line to elementary school kids in terms of their education level uh, and what they knew in, in defensive line play. And he said, we're trying to get them to middle school or high school level by the time we get out of fall camp. They would look like they were still in elementary school last week just from a lineup standpoint. When, when, when Georgia State came out and they had the wide gap and, and the wide split between the center and the tackle and it brought an H-back behind him, Tennessee never adjusted to that at all from a schematic standpoint in game. And so we'll see if they can get lined up tonight. I'm sure BYU is going to come out with a few wrinkles formation-wise just to see how Tennessee reacts to it. BYU's been independent since 2011, and the dynamics around the schedule is that really every game is important, especially when November, it's hard to uh, schedule intriguing matchups in November. Back when we were in a conference, and give us a feel for, for Tennessee, is there a higher emphasis placed on SEC play? In other words, if they drop, you know, let's say they do drop a game tonight, but they're able to work out those wrinkles, get those guys up to that high school or college level of understanding and gain some momentum heading into to SEC play. Is there still a premium on that, or will the sting from a couple early losses that maybe shouldn't have been linger on with, with within the program and the fan base? Well, I think it's going to linger for sure because this is a team trying to get to six wins. Uh, you know, they get, get back to being in bowl games on a regular basis. You're trying to move forward with your program. Recruits want to see you be successful. A fan base, you know, you got got 100,000 seats to fill here. Fan base wants to see you be successful. You start this season 0-2, uh, and they're going into to October and, and a bunch of games you haven't had any success with uh, against those guys for the most part the last decade or so. That's why this game is such an important game for Tennessee tonight. Um, and it's no offense to BYU. It's not really the opponent. It's, it's getting in the win column because you start to look, okay, where are the six going to come from for postseason play? I mean, Mississippi State's at home. It's like, well, maybe they lost some stuff from a year ago. Well, they're manhandling Southern Miss right now. They're, you know, 
Florida looked like they could stop anybody defensively when they played Miami. They get a cakewalk today against UT Martin. So when you're looking at it from Tennessee's perspective, uh, you're, you're trying to compile as many wins as you can, and that's the thing. I mean, this week the talk in Knoxville has been, is this team going to go one and six to start the season? That's not where Tennessee's supposed to be. That will get ugly in this town in a hurry. So tonight's very important. Conference, non-conference, it's very important. Talking with Brent Hubbs, radio analyst for the Tennessee Volunteers here on Cougar Pre-Game Live. We were talking about the offense a minute ago, and the Vols' offense put up numbers against Georgia State, specifically through the air, 331 yards passing, but obviously those turnovers are what just killed the Volunteers. This offense has its playmakers back, and you touched on that a minute ago. What are the expectations for, for Garantano in this offense, and do you expect more emphasis on the run this week? Yeah, I think they'll run the football more this week. Uh, I do. I think they will will uh, emphasize it, try to establish themselves better on the ground. I think it's going to be fascinating to see what they do on the offensive line. A week ago they played nine guys up front. I don't expect to, to see that kind of rotation tonight. What do they settle in with in terms of six or seven guys who has emerged, uh, graded out the best last week, had a good week of practice this week that they're going to start and go there. How are you going to manage Trey Smith who played 31 snaps? He's clearly – Talent-wise, one of Tennessee's best five. How much do you play him? But I think when you look at this offense, you know, 69 of those passing yards came in a hollow drive at the end of the game, which didn't really matter. The quarterback's got to play better. Uh, it's it's not just they've got some weapons, Marquez Callaway and Jennings and Dominic Wood Anderson, but the quarterback's got to play better. I didn't think mentally he played very well. I didn't think he saw the field very well last week, didn't feel some pressure at times. He took four sacks last week. I would put two of those on. The, the offensive line, and I'd put two of them on the quarterback. And the quarterback's got to feel pressure and get the ball out of his hands better. Uh, it's going to be um, a really a really big storyline tonight for Tennessee fans to see how Jim Chaney manages Jerry Garantano in week two after having him in a, in a game now to sort of see how he reacts to stuff. You can scrimmage all you want to. It's different when there's a crowd in the stands. It's different when somebody's doing something different to you defensively than what you practice all week long. Uh, how does how does Jim Chaney manage the quarterback play tonight to help them be more effective? And obviously they can't turn it over. Right. On the offensive side of the ball, you obviously establishing a run, and a lot of that is mitigating your opportunities for, for mistakes. On the defensive side of the ball, I was surprised when I saw the film how much blitzing there was. I mean, there was a good healthy dose of what you normally see out of the SEC, and that's some stiff man defense. But, for example, they, they had to resort to a cover zero blitz that allowed uh, Georgia State's quarterback on that last touchdown. There was no help in, on the back end of the defense. Uh, do you think they will limit some of the more zone blitzing and creative blitzing packages that we saw against Georgia State and basically line up and say, okay, give us your best shot, BYU. We're going to force you to execute rather than you know being out of position and giving them a cheap one. I, I think, yes, that, that they will do that. They'll try to be a little more conventional, a little more simplified early. I think the concern with doing that is can their front hold up? Can their front hold up in the game? You know, One of the stats, a few people have talked about this week, I think it's a huge stat for – for this game tonight, and it was a big part of what happened to Tennessee defensively a week ago, is Georgia State won first down in a big-time way. They, they averaged five yards a play on first down, and it wasn't like they had a 70-yard play to skew the stats, okay? They, they had a lot of four-, five-, six-yard plays uh, on first down. When you go look at the third-down conversion rate, it was high, but most of those third-down conversions were third and three, third and two. Tennessee's got – defensively, they got to get – ahead in the sticks. they got to win the sticks battle on first and second down and, and try to force BYU into, into third and long situations uh, because 
Tennessee's not got the weapons to be able to get to the quarterback without bringing pressure. So when you're at third and three and the, and the playbook's open for everybody, you got you got some struggles. So I think winning first down is big tonight for both teams. But I think for Tennessee's defense, they've got to be much improved on first down than they were a week ago. Brent, in listening to the press conferences and whatnot for Tennessee this week, didn't hear a lot uh, about Tennessee's thoughts on BYU. And, and I can certainly understand why, because most of the questions to the players and coaches was, how did last week happen? So I, I understand it to a point. What have these players and coaches said about the opponent today? What do they think of this BYU team coming in? Well, they got great respect for it. Jeremy Pruitt has, you know, he's got relationships with many of the coaches on the staff. There's obviously some SEC flavor to the BYU coaching staff. Uh, so there's some common knowledge there, some ties that way. Um, the, the thing Jeremy Pruitt said on his coaches show that, that I co-host with him on Wednesday nights is, is he's just really impressed with the way that this defense of BYU's plays together. It's connected at all three levels really well. Uh, and, and what he means by that is you don't see a lot of busts going, you know, and, and they seem to play really well as an 11-person defense. They, you know, it's not one guy back there erasing a bunch of mistakes. They, they, they play really sound, fundamental defense. Uh, he's impressed with what they do that way and knows they're going to get a physical battle tonight in, in the line of scrimmage. And, um, look, I, you know, I, I know BYU was disappointed in the amount of yards they gave up on the ground last week. I'm sure that's been an emphasis for their defensive front. I would expect BYU's defensive front to be much more stout tonight uh, than they were against the Utah run game in week one. BYU uh, fans out there are disheartened that in a rivalry game we have given up nine defensive touchdowns in the last eight matchups, including two last week. So that's something that um, we're we're hoping to avoid. I imagine uh, Tennessee's watching the film and like, hey, they'll give it up. Is that have you gotten a feel for their? Are they going to try and want to create havoc um, and, and get BYU to turn the ball over and turn that into a trend? Or, again, are they more worried about, like you said, lining up correctly and executing crate or, and executing straight up? Well, I think if you can win on first down, then you're trying to get the quarterback in, into a situation where you can really be aggressive and go after him and, and see if you can get uh, Zach Wilson into some, mistake, into some mistakes. I actually talked to Zach during the recruiting process um, as a part of uh, the website I do for for my regular job, but really impressed with it with the kid. Love his competitive spirit. I think sometimes his competitive competitiveness may get the better of him in some decision making things, trying to do too much, trying to make too many plays. But I think if you let him stay on schedule, he gets in a rhythm. If you can get him into third and long, where he feels a lot of pressure to make a play to keep the drive alive, sometimes he may force it there. I think Tennessee would like to be aggressive and come at him and see if they can force some mistakes. But to do that, they've got to be they've got to avoid third and three, third and two. Because if BYU is at that situation, then you can't come get him the way that you would want to. Brent, great stuff. And, and you alluded to uh, to your other job. You're also the publisher of uh, VolQuest.com, covering Tennessee football and basketball and recruiting angle. Uh, great stuff. Appreciate you stopping by. And uh, I think I think both sides are really anxious to see how this one uh, how this one plays out. Have a good call today. Thanks, I appreciate it, and I uh, hope you guys have a pleasant, have had a pleasant stay in Knoxville. hope we treated you well, and it uh, should be a fun ball game tonight uh, with two teams in dire need of a win early in the season. Thanks, Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Brent. That's Brent Hubbs, radio analyst for the Tennessee Volunteers. My one-on-one with Tristan Hodge coming up a little bit later on in Shep Talk, but next, it's Cougar Cuts. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Jason Shepard. And it's time for Cougar Cuts heading into the first game of the season. The only reference you have for what to expect is what the team did in fall and the months prior. So when asked what he wants to see improved upon this week, head coach Kalani Sataki said he wants to see more of the team he saw the last month of fall camp. I'd like to see more more big play production and stuff that they were doing in camp, you know, and I think they're really close to doing that. It's just we're always going to be built on our toughness and our strength. That's going to be our one thing that we're going to lean on heavily and regardless of what position you're playing, you know, and, and then we'd like to pride ourselves on being smart. It's hard to get into the school, academically smart, but also football IQ has got to be better. Uh, and that's where the mistakes of the late hits and the face masks in situ- certain situations, that's where we got to do a better job of making sure all our guys are educated on that. You know, Riley, the cleaning up the mistakes, that's something that obviously every, everybody's aware of. But the, the part he mentioned in terms of the wanting the big plays, I, I think that that's, that's something that they thought they were going to be able to do right out of the gate. And I think it surprised them a little bit that, that those bigger plays just weren't there like they had been in fall. Well, the thing is, most big plays are normal plays that are executed at a very high level. You're not really... if. If it were easy to drop 60-yard plays on every down, then everyone would be doing it. The reality is big plays come from extremely high execution on somewhat ordinary plays. So uh, that And that speaks to the execution that Coach mentioned in that clip as well, and that's something that I think will produce it if the Cougars can take a step forward and get a little bit better on that this week. While the offense was able to move the ball, it was not successful at getting into the end zone, and Zach Wilson talked about where he expects this offense to make its biggest improvement from week one to week two. Yeah, just execution and, and, and being smooth overall. I mean, there was a lot of confusion throughout the game of you know, who's lined up where, who's supposed to do what, you know, clock management and, you know, just getting up and getting set and ready to go and um, quite a bit of MAs, kind of stuff like that. And, and so I think now that we've had that, that first game, um, we should be a lot better just in overall execution. And I, I think we both expect to see this offense functioning at a higher level in terms of execution today yeah and I think the opportunity um, as I from my own personal film study just from a talent and execution standpoint from a talent standpoint Utah's better and from an execution standpoint there we just listened to Brent Hubbs talk about Tennessee was struggling even lining up right so right. it's it's a little bit of a different fall so if the if the Cougars can take a step forward and the level of uh, of or, or the talent level of the competition that we're playing against takes a step backwards I think we'll see different results tonight all right finally now that Tennessee has some tape on what worked against the BYU defense Trajan Peely said he would certainly expect to see the Vols offense pound the ground. Watching the Georgia State game, they ran a lot of uh, 12 personnel stuff, so I'm guessing they're probably going to try to run the ball. I know the quarterback had a couple uh, receptions, so maybe they might lean away from that, you know, but I'm sure they're going to change a few things after this loss. I'm sure they're going to kind of go back to the drawing book, but just from viewing it today um, and watching the game on Saturday, I think they're going to try to run the ball, especially after watching the Utah game. Well, and, and Riley Brent said just as much. He would certainly expect... Uh, to see this offense of Tennessee try and establish the run. And quite frankly, both teams are coming in. I think both teams coming in from an offensive perspective, I think that's the number one goal is to try and establish the run. 
as it is for 95 percent of football teams out there at any level so um it's easier said than done if it were with the exception of mike leach i think every coach would prefer to just turn around and hand the ball off and and win by 30 points every game so um the the thing i like about that is despite getting worn down in the second half uh, byu really did a pretty good job they held utah to they barely got to four yards per carry despite uh what it kind of the second half of that game and what it did so they proved that they were able to to be stout and um i i think that tennessee might if, if byu can continue to be stout and really make them work i think they might panic and go back to what you know last week produced a bunch of sacks and and uh, interceptions and gave georgia state a chance to win in the stadium up next, I go one-on-one with BYU right guard Tristan Hodge in Shep Talk. More Cougar pregame live right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Tristan Hodge has established himself as one of the anchors on the BYU offensive line. He's also a really funny and smart guy. It's always a pleasure to get to talk with Tristan, which is exactly what I did for this week's edition of Shep Talk. All right, I do want to make sure that this is obvious to our listeners. We are doing this interview sitting next to Coach Mateos. So anything you say will be scrutinized over and over. Anything you say incorrectly, you will probably hear about later. Are you okay doing the interview under these circumstances? You know what, sure, that sounds about right. <laughs> I'm good with that. By the way, just that, well, let's just get this out of the way. Your opinion of Coach Mateos is what? <laughs> hey, you know, he's a great coach, brings that energy every day. And, you know, that's one thing is we want to win for him, we want to work for him. So that's one big thing about it. Let's go back, let's get the Utah game out of the way, and then we'll focus on Tennessee. What did you learn about the offensive line in the first game? I think, you know, one thing that we've always, you know, we worked on all camp is, you know, we felt like, yeah, we're, we're going to be in a legitimate offensive line. But then after that first game, you know, sparing a couple of mistakes here and there, you know, we found that, you know, we, we're, we're that offensive line. You know, we've been coached up and, you know, we're ready to take on any opponent that we're, that's coming ahead of us. So, you know, we're ready for this season. And I think we're going to have a lot of success as a unit. Fans, media, obviously we have the opportunity to look back and focus. You guys don't have that luxury. You have to, as soon as that game is done, you have to move on. How hard or easy is that, especially after a difficult loss? You know, every single game you have at least a, you know, a 24-hour period of, you know, we got to learn from it and move on. That's the one big thing is, you know, that, that's great for, you know, especially for losses. You know, of course, a lot of guys want to get it over with. But the first thing is, is learning from it first and then moving on instead of just saying, okay, we're done with that game. Let's just get rid of it and be, move. We, we learn from our mistakes, then we go on. And especially with wins, that's the one thing is you can't dwell on wins either because then your head gets a little too big. You start worrying about those wins. And if you start focusing on wins, then you're not focused on the next, on the next opponent. So that's one big thing is having that 24-hour grace period to get it out of our heads. Zach Wilson had mentioned that one of the things he expects to improve from week one to week two is the team's overall execution. Would you agree with that? What, what else do you expect to improve from week one to week two? You know, I, I, I agree fully with Zach. You know, that's one big thing that we want to fix our execution because that's one thing that's our biggest strategy is execution. That's one thing we're preached to every day. If all 11 of us execute, then we have success. It's like anything. It's like a well-oiled machine. If you have 11 guys out on the field but only 10 are doing their job, that one can be detrimental. And those things start to add up. If we have a string of plays where only 10 are doing their job, that's that doesn't lead to any success. But once we have 11 working 
working together and moving forward, we have that success. And I th- I, I stress that enough, and that's the biggest thing is execution. Is that really what it boiled down to? Because you guys were able to move the ball. The numbers were there. You, the offense wasn't able to put it in the end zone, obviously the one time. But is that the one thing that you felt was maybe holding you back was the overall execution against Utah? Of course. You know, if, if you look if you look back at, at what happened, a lot of those a lot of things were mistakes that we did do ourselves. You know, third third and shorts, third and manageables, where we're having you know false starts and we're having holding calls that are putting us back. You know, and and the certain situations that we didn't want, making it more difficult for us to convert and get first downs. Basically, shooting ourselves in the foot, and then even when we're on you know any any other place that we're making mistakes, you know, on the offensive line or even the backfield that we're just having one that it can be one or two guys making just simple mistakes, and that was one big thing is simple mistakes mm-hmm. is what hurt us. It wasn't the complex ones; it was the simple day one things that kind of hurt us. But knowing that moving forward, we're going to focus on those, like I said, with execution. So these are not like things that need to be overhauled. These are just minor tweaks that you guys know what needs to be done. Exactly. It's like those things where when it happened, like especially like, I, like of course I had some mistakes as well, but I knew right on the field, right when it happened, I was like, I know exactly what I did wrong in that moment. Like that is something we learned. We've been practicing since the first day of fall camp, and, and that's why we call them. We call them day one mistakes because they're so simple. And sometimes you get caught up in you know the all the minutia of all the you know the the, comp- the complexities of what we're working against that you sometimes forget about the little basics. And knowing that moving forward, we're gonna work, we we gotta focus on those basics as well as the complex things. What are your thoughts on heading to the SEC, heading to Knox? First time BYU and Tennessee have ever faced each other. You're going to go face a team that is hurting a little bit. What, What are your thoughts overall on this game? You know, just just because we regard the first game, that doesn't mean that they're going to be an incredible challenge to us. I mean, it's an SEC team. You know, they're they're well. They've they've had a history of being successful. And knowing one thing is, it's going down there. That this is a, this is an exciting game for us. And we know that that opponent after that after their first game is going to be jacked. They're going to be amped up, and they're going to be ready to come hit us on the mouth as well. So it's going to be a battle. That's one thing we know. It's going to be a battle, tooth, claw, and nail. It's dogfight to the end of the day. But we're really excited for this challenge. What have you been able to see on their defense? I know coaches have talked. Words like athletic, big, physical. What else have you seen uh, in regards to this Tennessee defense? They def- their, their, front, their front four also are very fast penetrators. They like to get upfield fast. They're, they're one of those that shoot off the ball really quick, and that's one thing that we're looking forward to is using our physicality to counter that. Um, you know, they, have, they have a very athletic um, linebacker crew, and they, they also have a lot of blitzes that are really unconventional. And sometimes unconventional can be kind of, you know, sometimes can be difficult because it's not, you know, they're not being as gap sound. They're bringing two guys to certain gaps, and we're just like, okay, it's going to be a little weird, but we also we, we keep going back to our fundamentals and we'll be able to take care of things like that. You know, the narrative is Tennessee got embarrassed by Georgia State. They're going to be angry in this game. Is it safe to say that would be a fair assessment of you guys, too? You guys wanted to win the Utah game. It didn't go your way. Are you coming in as an angry team looking to prove something? Of course. And, 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 and even saying an angry team, you know, we're, we're looking for our retribution in this next game. We want to bring, we're going to come out swinging, but we're going to come out with control in that execution, as, as I've kept you know, referring to. Um, but that being said, you know, it's, def, it's definitely going to be a battle of the wills this next game because both, both of us, you know, we lost our first game, our openers, and you know, we're, looking, we're looking to have a little payback and get on the right track. What are your thoughts on the color orange? Because there's going to be a lot of it. You know, I've never been a huge fan of Tennessee orange. I mean, I, I mean, orange is a good color like that, like that traffic cone right there. You know, I'm cool with that orange, but that's bright. You know, the, that other orange just doesn't bode well. You know, I just, I'm not a fan. <laughs> Let's think about this. I mean, over 100,000 people, you got the checkered end zone. This is, Neyland Stadium's one of those places that most everybody knows, especially because of the way it looks. This is a pretty cool venue to play, let alone being able to play a good team like Tennessee. Of course, I think that's one of the biggest exciting things is playing in a venue like this, playing in a big-time stage with 110,000 people. I mean, that's these are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. No matter what the outcome is, this is going to be, we're going to be making memories that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives. So I'm really excited about that. All right, let's wrap things up. 
things up with the uh, the final four. The last movie you saw in a theater was what? Oh, what was the last movie I saw? Oh, Good Boys. The comedy Good Boys. Okay. Funny? Hilarious. Okay. All right. Who was your favorite athlete growing up? Uh, I'd have to say Dermonte Dawson for the Steelers. Just growing up, I, I, wa- I watched a lot of his work. And also, um, growing up, I watched a lot of uh, Pouncey. Um, you know, when I started getting a little older, so I watched about so a lot of a lot of Steelers influence here. Well, now obviously there's there's a connection to the Steelers. Are the Steelers your team? Yeah, you could say that. I mean, it's definitely a, f- a family obligation, <laughs> but I, I, I've taken to it pretty well. Okay. By the way, how do you think the Steelers are going to do this year? Yeah, I'm always looking forward to a good season. It's always their season. The NFL is back. I can't believe college football's back. The NFL is back this week. This is a good time right now. Oh, it's a great time to be alive right now. All right, you can go anywhere in the world on vacation. Where are you going? Mm, Bora Bora. I've told my I've told my parents this. I've told my girlfriend this. I'm like, I'm gonna go to Bora Bora one day. That's it. That's about it. You know, I'm I'm good with the 13, 14 hour flight. Let's go. Okay, that was a matter of fact. Like no hesitation. Why Bora Bora? So I've seen it in so many movies, and I've seen it like online. All the pictures. It just looks gorgeous. Looks like a place I can get off my feet, rest. You know, be like a beached whale, and you know, just enjoy myself in the sun. All right, last question before I let you go, and I appreciate you, you taking the time. What does it mean to you to wear the why? You know, it's re- representing something more than myself. It's representing a history. It's representing an entire culture. It's representing, you know, the people on this campus, you know, past and present, uh, my family, my name. There's a lot of things that go into this. It's not just representing who I am as a person. It's representing the guys I play with, my coaches, their families. There's a lot that goes into this, just more than myself. Tristan, great stuff. Appreciate it. Really looking forward to this weekend. It's time to uh, quiet down 100,000 people wearing orange, right? Yes, sir. Let's go. That was Tristan Hodge. This week's Shep Talk. Always love talking with Tristan. He is a fantastic interview, but uh, also a fantastic football player. And we'll uh, see him in action today as the Cougars take on the Tennessee Volunteers. We'll visit with the voice, Greg Rubel, coming up in about 10 minutes. But next, we get the QB read with Riley. You're tuned into Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cooper Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. We're a brand new segment this week on Cougar Pregame Live. Basically what I've done is I've turned this segment over to my friend Riley Nelson. We're giving him the opportunity to get his read, and I'm giving the air quotations, his read on a topic or topics that he feels is important for this week's game. We call it... The QB read with Riley. Riley, the floor is now yours. So the football season, and especially the college football season with 12 weeks, I've always uh, loved, I think there's an elegant metaphor in there uh, as it relates to boxing, as most heavyweight boxing bouts, and especially championship, are, are 12 rounds. And one thing that's important throughout the, while we'd all love to be Mike Tyson and be able to knock people uh, out in the first two or three, that's not the way it works in college football. We have to play the entire season. So keeping that perspective is incredibly important to the overall success of of a team within their individual season and to the success of building a program. One of my favorite all-time, in fact, my favorite all-time boxers, Evander Holyfield, who holds the unique distinction of being the only four-time heavyweight champion of the world. Now that means he lost the belt on three different occasions, but came back four and was able to, uh, to put the pass behind him and execute in a fight and 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 uh, take back his championship belt. So within the the course of a fight, 
you you win some rounds, you lose some rounds, you knock guys down, you get knocked down, you land good punches, you play mostly defense. Um, but regardless, you have to come back and answer the bell every. Well, you go to your corner on the bell, and when that bell rings again, you got to come out ready to fight no matter what happened in the previous round. Each round needs to be approached with itself, and to me that is the one of the, the mindset that I hope the Cougars have tonight is round one is done. It's now time to focus and win round two. Don't carry with you any of the lingering injuries or remembering any of the punches that you took last week or the punches that you gave. It's round two. You got to come out of your corner with a game plan and execute on it and come out swinging. I love it, and and this is one of the things that I brought up with Tristan in in our last segment. You know, media, fans, we have the luxury of being able to sit and stew and go back and watch and, and, and not let it go from the previous week. We have that luxury. You know what it's like. Players don't have that luxury. If you're doing that, there's no chance you're going to be successful moving forward. If all you're worrying about is what happened to you previously. I, I love that analogy, and I think it's a perfect analogy, for, quite frankly, for both of these teams today. And certainly we're hoping that BYU's the team that figures it out. But I, I love that idea of, you know what? You can't do anything about what happened. Now all you can control is what happens moving forward. I love it. Yeah, and, t- and two of the most poisonous uh, mindsets or, or, or mental aspects of any sport are self-pity and excuse-making. And uh, I haven't heard any of that coming out of the Cougar camp this week, and I don't think you ever would hear from it, uh, hear it coming out publicly. What needs to senior leadership on this team, both within the players and then the coaches, need to make sure that none of those uh, emotions or, or those mentalities are existent within the program. And so once you've eliminated any excuse-making and have 100% accountability, then you have to believe in the inevitability of your success that uh, even though we may ha- maybe didn't perform to the level that we all prepared and would have hoped to perform last week, we are going to put this thing together. We are a great football team, and we are chomping at the bit for a chance to go out and prove that. All right, that's a QB read with Riley. I like it. I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to next week's topic. This is going to be fun. Did you have fun? That was your it was your own segment. I did. I love it. I love talking about sports, some cross sports analogies, and then of course for me, the game is so much about intangibles. It's so much about uh, about the mindset and and the frame of mind that you guys have going in. So we'll see. The topic will vary from week to week, but to get to talk about mindset, that's what I think is the linchpin for this matchup tonight. And I I got jazzed. I got juiced up just talking about it. <laughs> love it coming up next speaking of getting jazzed we're going to visit with the voice greg rubel always gets me jazzed to talk with greg rubel and that's exactly what we're going to do next he just wrapped up his conversation with the head coach of the cougars kalani sataki we'll hear all about that coming up next on the new skin byu sports network Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coming up uh, in just a few minutes, Mitchell Jurgens will join me. We'll get his view from the sidelines. You'll also hear from volunteer head coach Jeremy Pruitt. But right now, we welcome in the voice of the Cougars in the press box at Neyland Stadium. Joining us is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And Greg, you just wrapped up your conversation, your pregame conversation with head coach Kalani Satake. Obviously, everyone will be able to hear that coming up in about a half an hour or so. 
certainly, Greg, everybody was disappointed in the way that the game played out last week. When you were talking with Kalani today, what was his demeanor as you talked to him before this game against Tennessee? Well, it, it's kind of a real thing. And hello, Shep. Uh, the Utah game feels like such a long time ago. Uh, BYU did get the Thursday night game, right? So it's an extra yeah. couple of days removed, and it does feel like it. It feels like a long time since BYU last played already. I think that's a good thing. I think it's enough time for BYU to have put that in the rearview, put it to bed, and, and taken a whole new approach on, on, on week two and the rest of the season. Uh, and, and you have to, though the way things turned out for BYU. But I really do feel like, like, like what happened happened, it's gone, and you can begin to reshape your identity this week. And we've talked a lot about the comparisons to where BYU was last year after its home opener. That Cal game was a downer. Uh, they, they had just beaten Arizona, so it was a different scenario. It wasn't game one. It was game two, but it was the first home game. And expectations so high because you've beaten Arizona. You feel like this is the start of a good thing. And it was kind of a dud, right? They, they lose to Cal, just did not play their best. And they had to rebound from that to go into Camp Randall and find a way to beat a very, very good team. And they beat a number six ranked team that day. This is different but similar in that you're traveling multiple time zones you're playing p5 on the road you're playing in a historic venue and even though tennessee wasn't great they're still favored to beat you here today and so byu can lean back and draw on on that experience and hope for something similar and you can't just hope you've got to go perform but i think what would key last year's win at, at, at wisconsin can help today they kind of beat wisconsin kind of playing wisconsin football they 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 and, and here they can maybe hope to beat tennessee playing if you will sec football be tough, be dedicated to the ground game, move some people around, give Tyson some touches, and, and maybe play that kind of game and see what the outcome will be. So, uh, and, and again, who knows, you know, BYU might throw 48 times and run 16 and still win the game. However you get out of, you know, with the win, just get the win. But, but I, I, I think they can draw on that as inspiration to get something done that maybe not a lot of, a lot of people see them doing after week one. So, uh, and, and Kalani's kind of uh, echoing that sense of, of, of reinvigoration or, or, or renewal uh, today here at Tennessee. And by the way, I was down on the field level after chatting with Kalani a few moments ago. My intern, uh, our broadcast intern, Max Clark, uh, intern Max, who you know, Jason. Yes. Uh, and intern Max looked around and said, you know what? There's like almost as much blue as orange right now. And granted, this was about 90 minutes before kick, right? And so I think a lot of the BYU fans are coming maybe even earlier than the Tennessee fans. But even just looking now, and Riley can Riley sitting next to me, you can see the same thing. They're no every the, the BYU fans are not centered in one little pocket. They're really kind of everywhere right now. And so there's a lot of blue in the building right now. It's a great thing to see, and you're going to hear them. When the Cougs come out today, you're going to hear the Cougar fans. And there might be seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm not sure how many thousand will be here, but you will hear Cougar Nation. It's a great sight to see so much blue. With and Blue and orange is a pretty cool, stark color contrast. It looks pretty awesome, even as the stands are filling up right now. Greg, that, I really appreciate because as I've talked to Cougar fans out there, maybe we've, in those extra days, were for at least the fans, a couple extra days of wallowing in a little bit of misery. Um, and so you give us, with the history lesson that you gave us last week, that this team, this coaching staff, you know, that largely these players have been able to bounce back. Um, and you've given, you know, quite a few reasons around the game for optimism uh, the response last year the cougar blue that we're seeing out in the fans today specific once the game kicks off and as you kind of look at this match or, or have prepared for this matchup what are the elements within the game that cougar fans should look to for for optimism that we can come out of here with a win tonight well 
even though uh, Tennessee can, can maybe rightfully claim to having looked past Georgia State a little bit, the weaknesses exposed were still weaknesses. And, and, and we saw the Tennessee offensive line have a real struggle with Georgia State's D-line, and even, even not against a ton of pressure. They, they, they brought some. It was a part of it, but it wasn't the entire game plan. They weren't really sure where they were going on the O-line a lot of times, and they played so many guys on the O-line last week. And they didn't find the right combination really at any point. You could argue they got worse as the game went along. And, and by the same token, uh, Tennessee's situation got worse as the game, game went along. And, and Georgia State had its most defensive success against Garantano uh, when Tennessee was playing from behind, when the game was getting late. And, and BYU's not been a particularly fast starting team. I, I want to see if BYU can, can get Tennessee feeling what it felt a week ago. Like, uh-oh, because Georgia State scored first last week. Tennessee turned it over on play number two, and a few plays later, Georgia State's in the end zone. Tennessee from the get-go is on the back heel. Can you put the volunteers on the back heel again and let the demons from last week kind of percolate and resurface and go, oh, here we go again? Because that's a very recent thing Tennessee can look to. And for BYU just to be better and stronger uh, earlier, I think, is overall a positive for BYU. If you want to look back over the Kalani Sitake era, in roughly half of the games, uh, they haven't scored in the first quarter. That's a lot of games to not have anything on the board. I think that has to change for BYU tonight. Something to look for, Shep, and and Riley and, and, and audience look to see how BYU's defenders uh, are aligned to start the game. There will be some changes made tonight. They're going to make some adjustments to get better guys in better spots. And we'll talk about it when, when the defenders come out for their first series tonight. But you're going to see some different people in different spots. This is an, an attempt from Kalani to get more of the better guys on the field at the same time. And, uh, and that'll be one adjustment you'll see BYU, I, I think, make tonight. We'll see what the, uh, what, what the ultimate uh, outcome is. Uh, a note about uh, uh, Moroni Laulu Pututau has not played yet this season. This could be the night. Uh, I'm not going to say he's going to play 70 snaps, but he may see his first action. And that's just still kind of a question mark right now as we approach game time, Shep. But uh, don't be surprised if we do get at least a glance, maybe a glimpse of Moroni Laulu Pututau uh, tonight. That would be a positive, and that's a hope. But, again, there's some fingers crossed as to whether that really transpires or not. Absolutely. And, Greg, we got about 30 seconds before we cut oh, you and yeah. Riley loose. Um, Team captains, what do we know about captains for the game today? Uh, yeah, to, and, and ca- captains rotate game to game. Today's captains are uh, Trajan Peely, Isaiah Kalfusi, uh, Brady Christensen, who was uh, the Offensive Player of the Week from the BYU coaches last week, and kicker uh, Jake Oldroyd. Those are your team captains for today. All right, great stuff, Greg. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you very much, Greg. Riley, great job as always. We'll cut both of you loose. We'll talk with Mitchell Jurgens coming up on the other side. But before we do that, let's quickly pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU. BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The BYU Cougars getting ready to face the Tennessee Volunteers. Joining me now from Neyland Stadium, former Cougar receiver, current sideline reporter, Mitchell Jurgens. Mitchell. Thanks for joining me. What's the atmosphere like there in uh, in Knoxville right now? It's uh, it's pretty intense. There's a lot of orange, but within the orange, you know, I'm seeing a lot of blue. Yes, that's what Greg was um, saying. A lot, lot of Cougar fans here early, which is which is really good to see. Um, you know, you, you worry when you start a season 0-1, you know, how much support and, and loyalty there's going to be. But there's there's quite a few blue here, so we're it's it's looking good. We were just talking about this with, with Greg and with Riley. The, the loss to Utah, it's over. You can't do anything about it now. All you can do is be ready for Tennessee. What positives did you take away from this team last week that you think will translate well into today's game? 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, that I actually that really stuck out to me, and, and I don't think we talked about it too much after the game um, and, and throughout the game, was Zach's scrambling ability to, to use his legs to get away from trouble. I mean, that Utah defensive line was a solid defensive line. Um, they, they do not make it easy for quarterbacks to get away. And so I was really impressed with his ability to keep plays alive. And, and we'll see that as he continues to do that, there's going to be you know receivers that pop open down the field because when you, when you can run around for a little bit in the, um, in the backfield as a quarterback, it's hard for those DBs to stick on receivers. And so I think that's a huge plus going into the game. Um, in addition to that, I mean, Matt Bushman, he, he looks like one of the best tight ends in college football. Um, his chemistry with Zach is just incredible, and and I want to see him just continue to be utilized at a consistent and high rate um, because, I mean, he's, like I mentioned, I think he's one of the best tight ends in all of college football. Um, and then the last thing, I, I, I kind of want to touch on the kicking game. It, it's been a while since right. I felt this confident about, hey, we get in the red zone or even if, you know, if we're outside the, or should I say blue zone, right? Nice, I like um, it. And... You know, I feel confident if, if somehow, you know, we're not going to convert a touchdown every single time. Um, but when we don't, to have Old Jordan come out and drill a kick, I mean, that's three points here and there. That's huge, and that can make or break a game. And so, you know, a lot of positives, and, and you want to see those continue today. Hey, like Greg said, Old Droid's going to be one of the team captains today. That says, that says quite a bit. Kalani Sataki talked this week about not wanting to see Zach slide. He said the new rules, quite frankly, don't benefit the player when sliding. And as we saw last week, they don't always flag the hits that a player takes when he does it anyway. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, so for me personally, you know, I would say only slide if you know, you know, when it's the right moment, um, which which for me, it's, it's after you've gotten the first down and early enough to prevent a hit, right? Because, you know, the purpose of the slide is to prevent an injury. Um, but but I think this is pretty rare. Um, you know, I don't like to see players slide, especially mobile quarterbacks like Zach and Jaron Hall. Um, you know, I go back to my playing days, and I don't think I ever saw Taysom Hill take a slide. Um, and, and, and honestly, I'd be curious to know how many additional yards and first downs he picked up by not by choosing not. to slide. I mean, we're talking thousands of yards, right? And so, I, I mean, I, I love to see these, these mobile quarterbacks use their legs um, and if they're going to slide, it's got to be the right moment. For me, I love it when you know you get past the sticks, then you slide. Um, you're moving the chains. I, I think Jaron took a slide last week, and you know it, it was I think it was a second and five um, after he slid. But you know I thought you know he could have stretched that and got the first down. And so I, I personally, you know, with with mobile quarterbacks like the the ones that we have, use their athletic ability. I mean Zach's shifty. He can he can get around and and avoid the big hit because of his agility. Um, and, and that's the whole purpose of trying to keep these guys safe. So um, so I agree with Kalani. I think, um, you know, the weapons that we have, why slide when, when you can turn, um, you know, these runs into additional yards that, that'll make a difference in the game. One of the things, Mitchell, we've been talking about on the, on the program, and I brought it up, Greg brought it up just a few minutes ago, the, the strong start for BYU. It's something that just hasn't really been a part of the program for the last couple of years. BYU's been slow to start games. Now, the second and the third quarter have been their their best in terms of scoring points. The first quarter has been the lowest. Last year, they scored 58 points in the first quarter. The second lowest was the fourth quarter where they scored 70. And then the second and third, they were like, like in the 120 range. 
Wow. What's the recipe for a strong start, do you think? Because I think it's crucial to immediately put doubt in Tennessee's mind by BYU coming out strong, then the volunteers go, oh, man, here we go again. Yeah, so so looking at this game specifically, um, you know, in, in general, I think you're going to hear me probably talk about this uh, pretty consistently f- uh, throughout the season, but for this game especially, they've got to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, and, and the reason I say for this game is because I think this is the game to do it. They're in a great position to do that. Um, you know, Tennessee, looking at last week, they couldn't run the ball against Georgia State. Um, they rushed for under 100 yards, which which really all came down to the offensive line. Um, one of the reasons why Utah was so dominant against us is because of their rush attack combined with their O-line and Zach Moss, who, I mean, who's an incredible runner, but they made it very difficult for us, and I think that deflated, um, you know, both sides of the ball on our side with, with their positive rushing attack. So with coming into this game where Tennessee did struggle last week, I think it's huge to make a statement early, you know, shut down the run, which is going to, you know, force turnover on downs um, and then give the, give the ball back to our offense. Um, and then, you know, looking at last week as well for Tennessee, defensively, they couldn't stop the run. Um, the Georgia State rushed for over 200 yards. And so I, you know, T- Tyson Williams and, and Zach Wilson, they could have some big days on the ground because of the, the lanes that they're going to, that are going to be created if Tennessee doesn't come out as strong this week. So, so you win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and I think that's the key to the fast start. Um, do it early and do it often. Well, in staying with the running game, we know BYU wants to run the ball more. They wanted to run the ball more in week one, especially in that second half, but because Utah was running the ball so well, they just didn't have enough opportunities to even have the ball on offense. There aren't many people... There The offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, has coached at Tennessee. He's experienced that. There's no player, with the exception of Tyson Williams, who's actually played at Neyland Stadium and kind of knows what to expect in that environment. Speaking specifically of Tyson on the ground, had a really nice game in in some limited carries in week one. What do you want to see from him? What do you expect from Tyson Williams today on the ground? Yeah, so, I mean, I expect an increased workload. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of fans expressed their frustrations last week that he only touched the ball seven times, um, you know, on the ground. And, you know, but you have to look at it. This it, Utah did. They, they controlled the second half, and so there weren't many opportunities for him to run the ball. Um, but, I mean, that was also his first game with a new program. Um, he, he had a, an, an incredible game that was a, definitely a bright spot in the offense. And so I, I definitely see an increased workload, you know, maybe looking at 15, 20 touches this game. Um, and, you know, if Tennessee plays like anything they did last week, Tyson's going to have a heyday, uh, maybe going for a couple scores as well. And so, you know, he's a physical. And, and in addition to his physicality, I mean, he's agile. I, you know, I've seen him, you know, put shakes on some people. Um, and, and so to have a back that big but that nimble on his feet, I mean, that's, that's impressive. And, I mean, he's a definite playmaker, and, and I expect to see some big plays from him. What's the biggest key for success today? We talked about a strong start. We talked about a rushing attack. What do you think of all of the things that could play into a BYU win is is the biggest in terms of success for the Cougars today? Yeah, so th- the way that I look at it, I-, I think the defense needs to force some turnovers. Um, last week against Utah, we saw zero turnovers, and it- it's hard to get momentum when when you don't do that. I mean, the, the quickest way to-, to flip momentum is with a turnover, and so if defense can force those, 
Um, I, I think they're putting BYU in a great position uh, to, to carry that momentum and to capitalize off some big drives. Um, but, you know, in addition to that, defense can force turnovers, but the offense has to capitalize on it. Um, and so where, where I want to see the most improvement is not just a turnover, but on turnover on downs. I mean, they need to take that, use that momentum, get into the end zone, and, and, and flip the score as best as they can. And so if, if, if they can do that, that's, that's what I'd be looking for, defense to force turnovers and the offense each time a, a turnover does happen to capitalize. And I, I want to see touchdowns. I You know, we... we, we Want to see more points as possible, right. but if to get, you know, after a turnover, to turn that into six or seven points, I mean, that's going to be huge. He is Mitchell Jurgens. You'll hear him on the sideline on the broadcast with Greg Rubel and Riley Nelson. Mitchell, always appreciate the time. Great insight. And uh, it, it doesn't, look, 80 degrees, it's not like it's going to be cold. It, it's still going to be warm, but at least you're not going to have to deal with like 90 degrees, 90% humidity. I think you're going to have a pretty good day out there today. Hey, I agree. I'm uh, I'm loving it. I, I, I kind of feel the breeze from up yeah. here, and so I'll, I'll be sitting pretty down there. It'll it'll be nice. All right, man. We'll let you go. Appreciate the time. Hey, thanks so much, Jason. There you go, Mitchell Jurgens. Coming up on the other side, we go across the field and hear from Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt. That's next on Cougar Pregame Live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Jason Shepard with you here on Cougar Pregame Live, getting you ready for week two of the BYU football season on the road in Knoxville, Tennessee, taking on the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, after last week's loss to Georgia State, Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt was asked about the confidence level of his team heading into this week against the Cougars. First of all, I believe in the guys in our locker room. Uh, I've said this all along. I really like this team. Just because I like them don't mean that we're where we need to be, but I like their work ethic. I like their want to. Um, it, it's When you look at the offensive side, uh, there's a lot more experience uh, as opposed to the defensive side. So as you break it down, you know the offense is going to look and say, hey, we left a lot of plays out there, right? Um, Defensively, um, you know, you're talking about there's there's lots of guys. You start with Savion Williams, Darrell Middleton, um, Karat Garland. You know, those guys wouldn't hear in the spring. Um, and so it's the first time they've kind of got a chance to get out there. And with the multiples, these guys are going to continue to get better. You know, it, it takes a little bit of time for guys to understand exactly how to play the game, you know. Uh, it, there's more to it than just getting lined up and running out there and tackling and hitting people, right? But we've got to go out there and, and uh, continue to work hard. Um, you know, and if you do things over and over and over, it, you, you build confidence. So everywhere I've ever coached, uh, usually when the game's over with, it's about what you did or didn't do. And it'll be the same uh, today and it'll be the same next week or in, in the following week. So it's things that we can control. Vols quarterback Jarrett Garantano put up some uh, some impressive numbers through the air, 300, 331 yards uh, passing. Obviously, the picks hurt him. Coach Pruitt discussed his quarterback and what he needs to see from him specifically moving forward. Well, we got to be able to manage the offense. Uh, you know, Jarrett put a lot of good plays together. You know, unfortunately, at that position, the ball goes through your hand every snap, right? So, you know, there's there's plays that he probably left out there on the field. Uh, could have changed protections a couple of times and didn't, and, and, and he can do that. He's got that capability. 
and just be efficient and stay within the offense. Lastly, with this being the first time these two teams have ever faced each other, Coach Pruitt talked about this BYU team and his thoughts on quarterback Zach Wilson. You know, we've got a, a really good opponent coming in here that traditionally is a very tough football team. There's lots of experience on their coaching staff. Um, you know, they kind of had uh, a game last week where they turned the ball over there in a rivalry game. It's back and forth there. They had a few turnovers, but uh, defensively, um, an odd team that uh, has lots of experience, uh, an older team, uh, really played hard, ran the ball well. Um, you know, uh, on their offensive side, uh, to me it starts with their quarterback, a guy that, that, that kind of reminds me of Johnny Manziel. He can run around and extend plays, make all the throws. Um, you know, turned the ball over a couple of times last week, but unfortunately, but um, he's a guy that we got to find a way to get on the ground. Got a really good tight end. Uh, they're big up front. Uh, got good good skill players, so we'll have a tremendous challenge. They had some new guys in the kicking game, but um, their new kickers kicked the ball really well in the last game. Very high praise for BYU quarterback Zach Wilson being compared to uh, to Johnny Manziel. Certainly, I think we all assume he meant Texas A&M Johnny Manziel, not what uh, what happened afterwards. All right, when we come back, we'll check out some other action in college football. It's a Saturday, which means there's going to be a ton of scores to go over. We'll do that coming up next. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Ah, we're getting close. BYU football on the road at Tennessee. Final segment of Cougar Pregame Live. Let's get you caught up on some other action in college football. We'll look at scores in top 25 college football. Number one, Clemson is hosting number 12, Texas A&M. Clemson right now with a 24-3 lead as that game enters the fourth quarter. 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. 17th ranked Wisconsin having no problems with Central Michigan. Badgers up 54 to nothing. Number 25, Nebraska leading at Colorado as they begin the fourth quarter by 10. It's 24-14 in favor of the Huskers. Listen to this score. Number two, Alabama. Taking on New Mexico State, 52-7. to I am surprised that New Mexico State even got a touchdown in that game. And by the way, there's still three minutes to go in the third quarter. Also in the third quarter, number three, Georgia leading Murray State, 42-14. to Number 22, Washington State hosting Northern Colorado. Five and a half minutes to go in the first half. It is 21-7 in favor of Washington State. Finals from earlier today, number five, Ohio State blanks Cincinnati, 42 to nothing. In double overtime, number seven, Michigan outlasts Army 24 to 21. In Salt Lake City, 13th ranked Utah defeats Northern Illinois 35 17. Number 20, Iowa takes down Rutgers 30 to nothing. Maryland upsets number 21, Syracuse 63 to 20. How about that? And then one top 25 game yesterday. Number 24, Boise State defeated Marshall 14-7. to That is a wrap for Cougar Pregame Live. Coming up next, we're going to get you to Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee for the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
It's time to get head coach Kalani Sataki's thoughts on today's game. It's the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show. Zions Bank, for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Let's join Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good afternoon, Cougar football fans, and for the first time in BYU football history, welcome inside one of the oldest, largest, and most historic venues in all of college football, Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, and tonight's first ever meeting between the BYU Cougars and Tennessee Volunteers. It's a bounce-back battle. Both teams coming off disappointing Week 1 setbacks. Which team will rebound better in Week 2? My name is Greg Rubel. I'll have your play-by-play call tonight. Joined in the broadcast booth by former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. Riley calling his first BYU road game in a season of firsts for him. And Riley, uh, your debut season off to a memorable start. Rivalry game for the opener. And now in Knoxville at the home of the checkerboard. We all hope for a better result, of course, this week. And we hope that in in your season of firsts, you get to call your first W tonight. No question. It's great venue. It's a great opponent. It's some great weather, better than we expected. High 80s, breezy with the low humidity. And quite frankly, I think a lot of great opportunities for BYU to win. Now they have to come out and execute and capitalize and play a little bit cleaner than they did last week. But uh, everything I've heard and seen of them this week, I fully expect them to do that. I'm really excited for, for the game tonight. BYU out to shake off a ninth straight loss to Utah, while Tennessee is looking to put last week's massive home field upset loss to Georgia State in the rear view. Either way, uh, one of these teams is leaving Neyland at 0-2. For BYU, that hasn't happened in 24 years. Tennessee hasn't opened 0-2 in 31 years. Coming up next, we'll have our pregame conversation with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. This is the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. The coaches' comments coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the coach of the Cougars. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Here once again is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and Tennessee coming up here at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. This is the fourth largest venue in college football. Capacity better than 102,000. A sellout not expected. The largest crowd to see a BYU football game will remain. The 108,000 plus who saw Michigan shut out BYU at the big house back in 2015. BYU's had a weekend, two days to recover from last week's setback to Utah. Extra time for rest, recovery, and work ahead of a two-time zone trip to Tennessee. A short time ago, I spoke with head coach Kalani Sitake, and our pregame interview is brought to you, as always, by Zions Bank. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. And we talked about uh, putting last week to bed and prepping for a trip into SEC country. I think a lot of it is is true because you you get the first opportunity to see your team live and then you know the necessary adjustments to make. Um, But, uh, you know, it's who makes the best adjustment from week one to week two. Is it going to be us, Tennessee? And, and, uh, you know, I think this week we've been really focused on what we're trying to get done as a team and as a unit rather than focusing on what Tennessee is going to do, you know. So I think there's going to be a good opportunity for us to, to execute well and play a clean game, and then I think we'll have a good chance. What would you take more of from the Utah game, and what would you like to see uh, tightened up a little bit from Utah? Well, obviously taking care of the football needs to be a key for us on offense. I think our defense played pretty well, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team game where all, uh, you know, all three phases need to work together, and, and that means flipping the field with a, punt, with, a, with a punt or getting a great return to flip the field. All that stuff matters, so it's, it's 
all three phases working in unison and being, and being able to work off each other and, and uh, playing a clean game. And then as a head coach, I need to make sure that we put our guys in the best position to, to have success. And, and uh, we'll see how much uh, risk we take in the, in the next, in the next, uh, you know, in the next 60 minutes of football. Where do you think that uh, Tennessee, if you can put yourself in their shoes a little bit, what are they looking to most get done against BYU today, considering the opener they had? Well, I would predict they're going to establish a run game, and I think uh, take a little bit off of their quarterback. And then I, I think also on defensive, uh, the defensive part, I think they're going to try to mix up some pressures and get some heat on our quarterback. And um, I, I think it's going to be a, you know, we'll see. We're expecting that from them, but they could do whatever. And then I think we're, 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 you know, we put ourselves in a position that it doesn't really matter what they throw at us. We should be able to execute what we do. You spoke last week about that balance or fine line of don't be afraid to make mistakes, but mm-hmm. but then you can't make too many of them because it kind of sunk both teams last week. Tennessee turned it over three times, and so did you guys. Exactly right. And, and um, you know, it's just being mindful of the ball and, and, and not careless, with specifically when you're talking about the quarterback, but also the running backs and the receivers, being able to hold on to the ball. And, you know, we had two interceptions for touchdowns last week, and then we had a a, a, a mishap on the fumble on the QB running back exchange um, in the in the red zone gave them a ball in the red zone. So uh, obviously those are issues that I think you can really fix. But um, it's just being mindful of all, always that the, that the ball is important to us. And but at the same time, you know you're going to take some risks and they're going to make plays. But I think it's just what type of turnovers we're going to see. But I think one day we can we can we can really one way we can really combat it is on defense is taking the ball away ourselves. And we didn't get any of that last last week. So uh, we're looking forward to capitalize on it this week. Okay. How did uh, Georgia State do it against uh, Tennessee? They didn't have to bring a lot of heat. They were pretty selective when they mm-hmm. did it, but they made Tennessee pay. I think the key was for them to get get a, a, a lead um, yeah. in the game. You know, once they did that, they were able to establish the run game more, run some clock, and then even um, you know they got a two score lead, and I think they felt a little bit more comfortable. Um, Tennessee maybe pressed a little bit. Yeah, at that and point. I think and they're running eyes on the clock and trying to run out. They're yeah. running out of time, knowing they need to score twice. And it caused them to make more mistakes, and so uh, that's a. Uh, I would love to be in that position, you know, where we can put them same thing that Georgia State did for them. But uh, like we told our team, we got to expect Tennessee's best shot. They're going to be. They have great coaches, and they're going to be able to get these guys motivated and they, for this game. And they're they got a great fan base. So uh, you know, we just need to make sure that they get our best shot as well. What's, the t- what's maybe the toughest thing to stop from Tennessee's offense? Would you say? Well, I think we just try to force them into third and long situations because that's when you get most of the time you get some big play production. So defensively handling their offense on first and second down and getting into positions where they have to throw the ball and take some chances and then hopefully we can come, you know, we can be able to get some pressure on the quarterback and get some picks and also force some fumbles with all 11 guys running the ball. How much have we talked about uh, the fact that you know, the feeling BYU has maybe about last week, well, Tennessee's got that same feeling. We have two teams coming into this that both say either that wasn't us last week or we got to go out and say, state who we really are today. Yeah, and that's why I think it's really important for us to look at an internal view and, and focus on what we can do better as a group rather than relying on on uh, who shows up on the other side. I, I think we're prepped for it. We know what they're going to try to do, but we need to establish our identity on all three phases in this game tonight, and then that's what we're looking to do. Is there a moment to appreciate the history of this place, this program, this venue, the checkerboard, all of that as part of the college experience? Of course, and we brought them here yesterday. You know, we flew out here Thursday, landed, got an extra night uh, in, in the East Coast uh, time zone, and uh, brought them out here to the stadium so they could see it, and now it's business. You know, we're getting to it, and uh, get on the field, and it's the same type of field. Really nice grass, and our guys are excited about the opportunity to play here in front of in front of a lot of fans. I think we're going to have a lot of fans here as well. So, 
um, it's a great time to play football. I'm just glad that it's here. You know, it seemed like so long ago last week and, and uh, the game being on a Thursday, so now it's here. And I think our guys are ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nighttime kick. It'll be warm, but not too hot. It feels like a great night for football. Yeah, let's go. I'm ready to roll. All right. We'll talk to you post game. Thanks, Kalani. Go Cougs. Thank you. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. Time now for the Homie Home Field Advantage brought to you by Homie, who reminds you that there's no place like home. Playing in front of Cougar fans who have your back. Homie's got your back, saving you sweet cash when buying or selling a home. Call it your Homie Home Field Advantage. And tonight, we see BYU on the road looking to vanquish the Volunteers on their home turf. And if BYU is victorious tonight, uh, the Cougars will drop the Vols to 4-5 and five in their home games under head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Time for a break, and as we leave for, uh, for a moment, we remind you that title and escrow can be complicated. With over 50 years' experience in Utah, Provo Land Title has the expertise to make your buying, selling, or building project more easily navigated. Provo Land Title, making the complicated easier. We are getting you teed up for Tennessee hosting BYU tonight. This has been the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show live from Neyland Stadium in Knoxville on the new skin, BYU. Kickoff is just around the corner. You're tuned to the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show. The BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by BYU Dining, a classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Utah Community Credit Union. Get more house, same payment at UCCU. It's what we do. Also by Utah Honda Dealers. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good early evening once again, BYU football fans. Tonight from Knoxville, it is BYU and Tennessee. Cougs' first trip to the Volunteer State since a 2014 visit to Middle Tennessee. This is a first-ever meeting between the Cougs and the Vols. UT will repay the visit in 2023 with a season opener at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I'm Greg Grubel, joined by Riley Nelson in our broadcast booth. We have upstairs with us on-site engineers Barry Squires and Michael Wimmer, statistician Ralph Sokolowski, and spotter McKay Perry. While down on the field, it is former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting from the Zions Bank end zone. For banking that helps you, game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. And our broadcast intern here in Knoxville is Max Clark. Back at BYU Radio in Provo. Our pregame, halftime, and postgame host is Jason Shepard. We also have engineer Sean Fay, coordinating producer Terry South, control board operator Tanner Rawl, along with broadcast interns Nate Slack and James Havel. Great to have you with us on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, our satellite flagship, BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Over the air, we are on BYU Radio 89.1 FM HD2, along with KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We are also on our network affiliates in the Intermountain West and streaming on the BYU Radio, BYU Cougars, BYU Game Day, and KSL Radio apps, BYU Game Day for home games, mind you, as well as BYUradio.org and BYUcougars.com slash live radio. You can hear our broadcast archives, commercial break free, on demand at BYUradio.org and on the BYU Football Podcast. Well, pretty simple question coming into tonight, really. Which team will best recover from a week one disappointment? And the answer may be found in the answer to this question. Which team will take better care of the ball? Last week, both BYU and Tennessee turned it over three times each. BYU minus three, Tennessee minus two in the margin. 
And Riley, it's not just the giveaways. It's what happens next. And BYU's three turnovers led directly to 20 points, including two pick sixes. Tennessee's miscues turned into 17 points. In both cases, the points off of turnovers allowed surpassed the final margin of defeat. Not a stretch to say that both teams are 0-1 strictly on the basis of ball security. You know, Greg, I found it appropriate as we got here early to the game, there was a statue of General Nealon, the guy for whom this stadium is named, and around the base of the statue it had different quotes, or they said game maxims. And the first one, the one right on the faceplate said, the team that makes the fewest mistakes will win. I thought that was extremely appropriate given the, the way these two teams played last week, and, uh, and, and I believe it will prove true here tonight. More of the Cougar Kickoff Show coming up after we remind you that this season, BYU football and Mountain America Credit Union are changing lives. For each field goal BYU makes, Mountain America will donate $500 to the American Red Cross to help fund humanitarian services and programs. We return to Knoxville after this brief timeout. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Kickoff Show continues. Let's head back to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth with Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to Rocky Top for more of the Cougar Kickoff Show, brought to you in part by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU's played back-to-back games last year's bowl game and then this year's season opener, having snapped 52 and 55 plays, respectively. It's a pretty low number. It's 107 plays over two games. Just by comparison, Boise State in its opener against FSU ran more than that, 108 plays in one game last Saturday. Now, it's not just the number of plays. After all, BYU scored 49 points on 52 plays against Western Michigan. But last week was an offensive struggle, Uh, just 12 points on 55 plays, three turnovers and 10 possessions, no play longer than 26 yards. To be fair, Riley, Utah will make it tough on a lot of teams we think this year. But uh, BYU must be more productive, more explosive, ideally. And based on how he played last week, I think maybe more committed to getting Tyson Williams some touches. He looked good. No question. I think there's a correlation between you talk about explosive plays and number of plays. Last week, I first thing I saw on the stat sheet was Georgia State was able to rush for 213 yards against this Tennessee defense. But then I looked at the number of attempts. They ran the ball 53 times. They rushed the ball pretty much as many as the total plays that BYU ran in last week's game. And so the more the more plays you run, the more chances you have for explosive plays. And ultimately, explosive plays are not the result of doing some special scheming. It's extremely well-executed plays that you run often where the defense breaks or it cracks, and because you're executing so well, you're able to exploit that 100%. So if we can do those two things, run more plays and execute more highly, I think we'll, uh, it will result in some explosive plays. And, and explosive doesn't always have to be through the air. Let's think back to the Wisconsin game we referred to a lot from last year. Squally Canada was explosive on the ground for BYU. And I think Tyson Williams and others have that kind of potential for BYU as well. Time for again for a break and time for You Be the Judge, brought to you by Legally Mine. Legally Mine equals asset protection. Go to LegallyMineUSA.com to learn what you can do to stop lawsuits dead in their tracks. And tonight we're going with an NCAA football rules question, and it is this. What is the new 2019 rule regarding blindside blocks? The answer next as the Cougar Kickoff Show continues from Neyland Stadium in Knoxville on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
getting you geared up for game time. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, BYU and Tennessee coming up. Time now for the answer in tonight's NCAA football rules question in our UB the Judge feature brought to you by Legally Mine. What is the new 2019 rule regarding blindside blocks? Well, here it is out of the rule book. No player shall deliver a blindside block by attacking an opponent with forcible contact. The two exceptions are against the runner or a receiver in the act of attempting to make a catch. And a blindside block is defined as an open, an open field block against an opponent that is initiated from outside the opponent's field of vision or otherwise in such a manner that the opponent cannot reasonably defend himself against the block. That's you be the judge presented by Legally Mine. Well, in last week's game against Utah, BYU allowed more than 250 rushing yards. Tough to win that kind of game. A possession battle as a result was heavily tilted in Utah's favor, and BYU did not take the ball away at all. Nor did the Cougars provide much disruption. No sacks and just two TFLs on the day. Now, Riley, as much as BYU needs to score more than 12 points, of course, to have a shot, I think the BYU defense needs to do a bit more playmaking as well as a unit, even if it means the occasional risk to gain that reward no question in your interview with coach Kalani uh, Satake he alluded to the fact that as much as it's not turning the ball over it's also turning the ball over so that the margin because it's really the margin that has the biggest impact uh, of the game and I think there's ample opportunity uh, for BYU to take advantage of that this week because of Tennessee's performance last week they put the ball on the on the ground four times they only lost two of those fumbles and then he actually threw two picks. One was called back due to a holding penalty and ended up in three turnovers, but they gave the opportunity for turnovers six times. So this is an offense. Obviously, there was a point of emphasis there and something that they'll work on, but it is part of their DNA that they've shown so far into this season. So I hope the BYU defense comes out and capitalizes on that. All right, coming up, we check in at field level with Mitchell Jurgens as our preview of BYU and Tennessee continues live from Neyland Stadium in Knoxville on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now let's get back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, uh, BYU and uh, Tennessee fixing to kick it off just after the top of the hour. It's uh, It's been a hot and humid Saturday in the southeast, but not terribly hot and not terribly humid, Riley. It's actually a great day, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful right here on the river. I'm, I couldn't be more pleasant, and uh, I think that'll bode well for the players coming down here to the south not to be in such an oppressive climate situation. 84 degrees right now, but the sun is setting behind us, and so the, uh, the field is already shadowed. Uh, the floodlights will be on. This will be a nighttime game, of course, here in the southeast. But uh, just I, you really couldn't draw it up a whole lot. And I don't think, even though we were not great with our forecast last week against Utah, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be uh, in any lightning delays tonight. It's been a beautiful day weather-wise. Well, uh, it is the first of four Eastern time zone games that BYU will play this season. It's amazing to think about uh, of the next ten games BYU will play, almost as many are in the Eastern time zone as the Mountain time zone. Uh, in the Kalani Sitaka era, by the way, BYU does have a winning record in the Eastern time zone at 3-2, and two, so there's that. Now, as offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes put it, anytime you throw two pick sixes, it can't have been a good night for the quarterback. That said, Riley, seeing as it was Zach Wilson's first action after offseason shoulder surgery and first season as a starter, 
How did he look to you? What looked right and what needs to be uh, maybe tightened up? Physically, everything looked right to me. His mechanics looked tremendous. I thought his accuracy was was pretty spot on, and his legs, he picked up where he left off, and he looks a little bit uh, thicker to me, which is good from a durability standpoint. Some of the things that I think need to improve is Zach went through a full offseason of all the expectation that is heaped upon a BYU returning starting quarterback uh, were upon him, and at times I feel like he may be pressed or he maybe was feeling those expectations let's take he's now accustomed he's got that first one out of his system now it's all about going forward and uh and sharpening up that decision making not letting the external pressures affect him kickoff is a little more than a 10 minutes away here in knoxville let's head down to field level get our crowd mic and hear our national anthem from the tennessee marching band Knoxville, Neyland Stadium, one of the largest venues in the game, and a lot of blue in that swath of orange out there tonight. It is a remarkable sight. Riley looks pretty good, doesn't it? Tremendous, and it's at all levels. I mean, normally you can see where they give you the, you know, your sliver for the visiting fans. BYU, the BYU faithful have expanded well beyond that, and it's a sight to see. Fantastic. Let's head down to sideline reporter Mitchell Jurgens in the Zions Bank end zone for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you, and Mitch. There's one BYU player who has been on this field and gained yards on this field. That's former South Carolina running back Tyson Williams, despite a fumbled handoff exchange against Utah. He was a real bright spot in the opener. Besides Tyson, who else might be kind of an X-Factor guy for the Cougs tonight? Yeah, so my guy tonight is Aleva Hifo. Uh, he's, he's my favorite BYU player. Uh, you know, I played with him when he was a true freshman and I was a senior, and I just love the way he plays the game. Um, looking back to last week, I definitely think he was underutilized, and I'm sure I'm sure in their offensive review of last game, they'll be looking for ways to get him the ball more often. Um, not only in space is kind of what he's been known for is getting the ball to him early, let him you know use his feet to create big plays, but I think BYU will try to use his vertical speed and take some shots to keep those Tennessee DBs honest and in check. Um, you know he's a senior, a leader of this offense, and so with him. Um, Bushman and Williams, I mean, those are your weapons. And, and I, I see a lot of those guys, you know, making big plays tonight and being the difference maker in tonight's game. Mitchell, thank you. By the way, four catches, 40 yards last week for Aleva, a guy that led the team in all-purpose yardage last year. 
And, and Mitch, there's also one guy on this team that kind of knows about this neck of the woods, and that's Joe Critchlow from Franklin, Tennessee. So he's kind of close to home tonight. Yeah, you know, I was actually, um, I'm staying with my aunt and uncle uh, here in Tennessee, and um, and they know the Critchlow family really well. So Joe's, he's a household name here in Tennessee, and, and I'm sure it feels great for him to be back um, playing in this stadium. Um, it, it's going to be thrilling for him. And lastly, Mitch, from you at field level, perfect conditions, right, on a warm day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the you couldn't ask for a better um you know, for the sun being blocked the way that it is. I'm in the shade. It's cool. I feel a breeze. Um, and it's just a perfect day for a game. Thanks, Mitch. Riley Nelson's keys to the game. The coin toss and opening kickoff coming up next. This has been the Cougar kickoff show on the new skin. BYU Sports Network.